Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. I screwed up Kelly Carlin's bio so badly the first time, I'm just going to read it. I tried to do it from memory last time, and I didn't do it very well. So I'll just so I get it right. Uh, Kelly Marie Carlin, right? That's what it says on your uh, on your on your Twitter feed. I think has always been curious about the big questions of life. Watching her father George Carlin be an iconoclastic comedy legend certainly didn't hurt too. Like him, she loves to use humor to question the status quo, and she loves to seek out the unique angle into any subject she tackles. But unlike him, Kelly Carlin brings a more personal and emotional tone to her work. With her personal story, pathos, emotion, and psychological insight, insight, she reveals the joy and challenges that come from trying to live an authentic life. She's a public speaker, hosts both The Kelly Carlin Show on Sirius XM and Waking from the American Dream on Smodcast. But I thought you didn't do that anymore. Am I right? It's not, it's not on Smodcast, it's, okay. but I still do my podcast, yes. I got it. Uh, and a Carlin Home Companion is now an author. The memoir, A Carlin Home Companion, was published by St. Martin's Press. Two rave reviews. Congratulations on all of that. And I really did enjoy talking with you last time, and I, I just hated the fact that we were just, or at least I was just getting interested, <laughs> and we ran out of time. Um, so, but this is, so what I, again, we're here, it's the 40th anniversary of this amazing time when the FCC, uh, ha- who had originally been chartered to only essentially be the traffic cop for broadcasting, they were there to, to keep track of frequencies. They, they would hand out fines if people juiced up their transmitters to try to reach farther. They, I mean, they had a very important function. But from the very beginning, it, it, was, it was clearly expressed to them that they were never supposed to get into the content and there are all sorts of mechanisms for problems with content. For example, if there are a lot of complaints with the radio station, they go into the public file of that radio station, and then the FCC can decide whether or not it would renew that radio station's license. Or, left up to the free market, as we had, you know, we, we don't have a government-run media. We, we have a free market that runs it. And so, you know, if advertisers said, we don't like this and nobody sponsored these programs, they'd go off the air. And that was the way it was established until, until your dad mixed everything up. <laughs> um, so, you know, George Carlin did the, did, it really started with the first time he did the bit was not the bit that got, that changed everything for the FCC. The first one was just those, the words, you know, the seven, the seven dirty words you can't say on television. That was the first one. It was the second time when he revisited that on the later album. That's the one that got played on the radio in Long Island. Um, and that's when things, you know, went to pot, if you will. So we'll, we'll get back to that. But so what was it like? What, what was your dad's feeling about that first bit? I mean, he was just, he was kind of making the transition from a traditional stand up comic and a former disc jockey himself to being a counterculture comic. What was that like for him, and what was that like in your house? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it was quite a radical change on the outside, certainly, for him and for the work he did. You know, uh, his insides in the 60s, even though he looked like the clean-cut comic with the tie, and he was, you know, entertaining the parents of the kids who were in colleges smoking all right. the weed and everything, um, but inside, he was, you know, he was 
George Carlin, the guy with the you know with the more radical thinking. He'd been a pot smoker since he was fourteen. He hung out with musicians on the road. Those were his friends. You know, I mean, he was he was that person on the inside. And so, you know, what had happened to him through the sixties as he got more and more success, and he started he started wanting to change more as an artist and to you know, evolve as everyone else was evolving at the time artistically. Um, he was getting real pushback and resistance. And, um, you know, he got arrested in Vegas. I mean, not arrested, I'm sorry. He got fired in Vegas for saying one of those seven right. words. And right. um, and that was a big blow. He'd been ma- he was, you know, opening for the Supremes, you know, making $12,000 a week. I mean, that was good money in 1969. Yeah, it's good money still. It sure is. Yeah. And um, so he was on the top of his game, and so he got fired, and he dropped some acid, and he just knew that he could not live with himself or the rest of his life, you know, being you know, being just the hippy-dippy weatherman or just the Indian right. sergeant or whatever, the, you know, the variety shows wanted him to be. And so we turned to my mother and said, I have, I have to do something different. I have to spread my own wings, and this is going to mean a change for us. And it did. You know, we moved from our little rented house in Beverly Hills to a apartment down in Venice Beach before Venice Beach was full of luxury condos. Yeah. And, um, and we started over. Now, you know, him starting over was doing first FMAM, which I thought was such a brilliant way of letting your audience know, hey, I'm making this change, and so here's what it looks like. On the AM side is the old George Carlin, and on the FM side is the new George Carlin. I mean, it's, it's one of the most clever things. It I've is clever. Of. It really it is. And then, of course, Class Clown came out, and then Occupation Fool. And so that was the, the arc there of those three years in a row. Those albums came out. And that's when everything changed for him. You know, I mean, he was suddenly now a counterculture superstar. And um, I have a specific personal memory around this is in the summer of 72, before Class Clown came out, we were, uh, it was summertime, so mom and I were on the road with him. And we went to a couple of places. One place we went to was Kent State. My dad took me to the memorial where the kids had been shot, you know, told me, right. this little nine-year-old, all about this, which freaked me out completely because it was kind of scary back then. I mean, if sure. people weren't living through it, it was the freaks versus the straights, and my dad was officially a freak. And um, and then our next stop was um, Summerfest in, Mil- in Milwaukee. And so here it is, my dad's opening for Arlo Guthrie at Summerfest, which is an outdoor festival, as my friend says, uh, which is like, a, you know, an island of sausage surrounded by beer, basically. Right. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot of drunk people. There's thousands of drunk people in the audience. And my dad's trying to do class clown bits, you know, bits from the new album that, that isn't even out yet. The album is not even out yet. So the promoter doesn't even know what my dad's going to do. And, of course, my dad's using some language, and he's dropping the language in here and there. And there's some policemen there who decide that they're not happy with this language. And uh, so the pro- so we're backstage. The promoter comes up to my mom and says to my mom, the cops are here, and they're going to arrest George the minute he gets off stage. And now my mom knew that my dad had some Coke and marijuana in his pockets. And so she went on stage with a glass of water 
and we have the recording of it. You can hear him like saying, hey, what are you doing out here? And then they whisper to each other. And she basically says, you know, get off stage left. We're, we're going to, you know, this is what's going down. We, he, he finally, um, so the minute she tells him that, that the cops are going to arrest him, he doesn't just say to the crowd, oh, I got to go now, um, you know, and, and be, you know, a good boy. No, this is when he starts in with the seven dirty words routine. He just goes for it. And, of course, all of a sudden, about, I don't know, a few minutes into it, the microphone goes mute. He walks off the stage. We go backstage. They're stashing the drugs in the drummer's, you know, bass drum. Um, and so, and, uh, and all of a sudden, there's this big bang noise, and I start crying. I think the cops are shooting at us. It was a balloon. Someone had popped a balloon. Uh, we were safe, but when the door opened, there were the cops, and um, they took my dad away, and it was absolutely terrifying mm. for me. My mom knew what to do because she had been there when Lenny and my dad had been arrested in 1961, and you know she knew to go get a civil rights attorney. And so I spent the weekend with the promoter's family, and my yeah. mom spent the weekend getting my dad out of jail, which the court, I think the court uh, threw it out. I think, it, you know, it was like they gave him a small fine for, like, you know, disturbing the peace or something like that. So well, this was, the, this was the interesting thing, too, is that that you mentioned you just kind of th- th- tossed that off, but I want to go back to that. The, that famous incident where your dad got arrested with Lenny Bruce. Yes. And Lenny Bruce... Uh, he wasn't particularly impressed. He thought, I mean, I, I think I'll clean up his language. I think he called your dad like an idiot for being willing to get arrested and right. get thrown into the paddy yeah. wagon when he didn't have to be. He called him a schmuck. He did. Yeah. He said, right, okay, that's all that it was. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought, I thought there was an F word in there with schmuck somewhere, but okay, fine. Probably, so it's, if it was yeah. Lenny, probably, yeah. Right. But yeah, my mom, my mom, you know, bailed them out that week weekend. You know, she right. down the paddy wagon in Chicago and uh, she was there. But he wasn't doing the he wasn't doing the FM thing yet, which is interesting. He was just idolizing Lenny Bruce, oh, who is, was doing it. This is the I mean, this is sixty one. Yeah. This is early I know. on my dad's career. He's not even really anybody yet at this point. He's completely idolizing Lenny. Uh, Lenny had gotten him a manager at that point, and had seen him you know do some work down at the Bitter End or something like that in New York. And yeah, and basically how that went down was the cops were checking IDs in the club because they wanted to bust the club owner. That's how they were going to get shut down the club. And they'd already arrested Lenny, and they're checking IDs. And my dad said to the cop, well, I don't believe in identification. And, you know, which is just, you know, such right. a, an obnoxious just, thing to say. Right. Of course exactly. he's going to get in trouble he's for that. He's tweaking him. He's, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And they throw him in the back, like you said, at the back of the paddy wagon with Lenny, and Lenny's just looking at him like, Gee, you know, Jesus what? Christ. Why'd you do this? <laughs> Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.